I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast. If you appreciate Cato's research and analysis, I'd like to ask you to financially support the Cato Daily Podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute to advance the ideals of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. If you support our mission by becoming a new Cato Podcast sponsor or renew your sponsorship with an increased gift, one generous sponsor will be matching your gift dollar for dollar that will double your impact. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support our work. This is the only time of the year when I make this request, so I'm adding something as well. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000 or more, I will gladly give you a shout-out on the podcast, or you can designate an individual to receive all the benefits of that donation. Just visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started. And thank you. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. What does full employment mean to the economists with the ear of President-elect Joe Biden? In a year of wild unemployment fluctuations driven by COVID-19, Cato's Ryan Bourne says the economists on the Biden team will focus more on achieving full employment by government intervention rather than, as libertarians would recommend, getting government out of the way. Whenever we uh, talk about full employment as an economic goal, uh, it gets my hackles up a, just a little bit because uh, it just that that very goal itself would seem to justify or provide a justification, uh, often among others, for all manner of economic interventions. So, uh, how do the people advising and the people who are likely to continue advising uh, President-elect Joe Biden? Uh, you know, where are they on this notion of full employment? Well, thanks, Caleb. It's really interesting. When uh, Joe Biden's team of Council of Economic Advisors was appointed a couple of weeks ago now, um, the overwhelming reaction from progressive commentators and economists was to say that it was great news that Biden had chosen those particular candidates because they were committed to this concept of full employment. Now, that concept can be a bit of a minefield if you approach it as a non-economist because to the unattuned ear when you hear the term full employment uh, people think that means a situation where everyone is working or perhaps um, a situation where everybody who wants a job or, or to be working a certain number of hours they desire is able to do so. Um, actually what economists mean when they talk about full employment is something a little different. It really means a situation when um, unemployment uh, is at what we describe as its natural rate. That means when the economy is operating at full tilt, um, we're fulfilling all our realistic potential. Um, it's the unemployment rate that would result if uh, the only people out of work were those between jobs at the time or those who um, will find it near impossible to get jobs anyway, perhaps because of um, change in technology. So there's a difference in the concept between um, how you might think that it should be defined and how economists define it. Now, um, Joe Biden has appointed um, three people to the Council of Economic Advisors, um, and all three have a history in labor market economics. And uh, one of them, Jared Bernstein in particular, has been a big pro proponent of uh, full employment as a, as a goal of government. Um, and that's significant for a couple of reasons. So the first is, if you aim for full employment uh, as a goal, 
um, saying that you aim for full employment um, after 2019, when we were close to what economists might describe as full employment, suggests that you kind of want to try to achieve this objective uh, in a different way. So in 2019, we pretty much got to full employment um, through a combination of having very, very liberal labor markets. Um, we just had a big tax cut. Um, there was uh, much less in the way of regulation over the first couple of years of, uh, of Trump's term. Um, but in saying, you know, you're a proponent of full employment and putting yourself in contrast to that, you're really saying that um, you want to achieve a goal of uh, as low unemployment as possible through different means. So it's a kind of commitment for a much more interventionist um, agenda. Um, and second and related to that is Bernstein and others have kind of implied that even when we had very, very low unemployment back in 2019, uh, we were still a long way from full employment. Now, what does that mean? Well, he seems to think that there are a lot of people who are underemployed, who um, would like to work more hours, and that if we ran the economy even hotter, um, we could draw people currently out of the labor force back into it. So the big takeaway is, I think, amongst Biden's CEA picks, um, there's a big commitment for running macroeconomic policy very hot to try and reduce unemployment um, as far as possible and more of a commitment to use government and government tools to try to put people who are out of work into work. What does that look like practically? Do we have ideas from the incoming administration about what kind of interventions would be necessary to get there? Yeah, and I think this is a good place to contrast kind of how a libertarian might approach this with how uh, Biden's team might. So if you're somebody on... Um, with a libertarian kind of free market view of the world, you might say, okay, we got a, a low level of unemployment in 2019, but it could have been lower um, if only governments didn't do things like gum up labor markets through um, minimum wage laws, um, provision of unemployment insurance, uh, bad uh, local and, and state level land use policies that prevent housing being built where people want to move to. If you if you sold all, all of those problems and, and dragged away all those interventions, the natural rate of unemployment would be lower. And so more people would be in work when the economy was running at its full potential. And I think it's better to say that Biden's uh, team don't subscribe to that view. What they tend to mean when they're talking about uh, full employment is, is two different things. So on the structural side, uh, Quite often they propose things like childcare subsidies to try and encourage more uh, parents into the labour market or active government efforts to try to uh, help workers um, who are long-term unemployed retrain. So kind of quite activists on the structural side of things. Um, and then at the same time, they suggest a much more activist um, fiscal policy, running bigger deficits through government spending more to try to uh, create jobs through um, direct government projects, um, public works programs, or subsidies for jobs. Now, the problem with this from a kind of more free market perspective is that you can always create employment if you chuck money at things, if you, uh, you know, the Milton Freeman's famous example is if you gave uh, 
construction workers spoons instead of shovels, you could create a whole hell of a lot more jobs because it would be much more difficult um, for, for, for any given worker to contribute to building something like a canal. So you can always create jobs. What markets are incredibly good at, however, is creating jobs that serve our wants and needs. And uh, they're a, a tool, a component that is used in a process of wealth creation. So to kind of summarize all that again, um, Joe Biden's team, I think, would be looking to try to reduce the natural rate of unemployment by um, subsidizing various activities, childcare and retraining efforts, whilst at the same time thinking that um, government spending can be used to get the economy as close as possible to its full potential, including uh, in extremists, um, potentially even considering the government um, directly hiring workers on public work projects. Now, when you talk about uh, libertarian solutions to lowering uh, or uh, efforts to lower the natural rate of unemployment, um, I remember the Obama administration uh, maybe four or five years ago, five years ago at least, um, put out a report on occupational licensing saying, look, there are significant costs here to, uh, in particular, low-income workers. So this, this I, that at least that idea has not been off the radar of Democrats. That's right. And actually, um, there are certain areas where Democrats have quite promising views uh, that could improve the labor market. So one of them is the one that you mentioned there is occupational licensing reform. And the second is um, uh, land use and zoning reform, which uh, if we had that, at a local at local level, um, enabling the building of more houses in places where people wanted to want to live, which tends to be places that are, are growing and, and creating job opportunities, uh, then that could actually help lower the natural rate. The problem with both of those, of course, is that um, they are primarily issues which are delivered at state level, um, and so it's quite difficult to see. Um, other than kind of talking about them and, and, and uh, raising awareness of the problems that they cause, um, what could be done at a federal level, White House level about dealing with those problems? Right. But the uh, I can remember the Biden campaign spoke, uh, you know, approvingly of ending subsidies to localities that have an overwhelming amount of single family home zoning. This was, of course, laughably derided by the president of the United States as an effort to destroy the suburbs, which is a tad unfair. But are you suggesting then that these advisors don't have these kinds of reforms on their radar? Well, the role of the CEA, which is what we're talking about, uh, I was talking about here in terms of the appointments. So uh, the CEA is really a kind of mini think tank that operates within the White House. It was uh, founded in legislation immediately after the Second World War. Um, and, and their job is to provide the president with kind of up-to-date information about how the economy is doing to help um, uh, kind of analyze particular uh, policies, but they don't develop policies as such. So the CEA actually in this instance could, could do useful work in terms of um, analyzing the costs of occupational licensing and, and zoning and uh, land use planning laws and, and of course suggest to the president and you're right on the margins um, some federal grants um, to states um, could incorporate conditionality that would push in the direction of um, reform particularly on on zoning laws 
but the CEA itself doesn't have the power to kind of create policy. It's there as a, a kind of mini think tank. And I think I'm, I think I'm fairly categorizing. And thank you for pushing back because there are, um, you're right, there are a few areas where Democrats in the past in the Obama administration have favored um, liberalizations that would help lower the natural rate. But I think when you listen to what the CEA appointees are saying, uh, Cecilia Rouse, who was at Princeton, Jared Bernstein, a senior fellow at the Center on, on Budget and Policy Priorities, and uh, Heather Bauschi from the Washington Center of Equitable Growth. When you listen to what they're saying, and when you read many of the things that have animated them over the past four years, they do tend to push in the direction of a more interventionist agenda on the labor market. Indeed, in some areas, uh, things that one would imagine might actually raise the natural rate of unemployment. All three, I believe, are in favor of a $15 minimum wage, for example. Joe Biden was famously, and uh, I think very unfortunately, was a supporter of California's AB5. That was the the law that made it very difficult for uh, gig workers, for people who uh, move from job to job very quickly on a freelance basis, was devastating, especially during the pandemic. Yeah, that's right. And um, a lot of progressive economists associated with the Democrat Party have wanted to kind of shift the balance in labor law to, as they perceive it, providing more security for workers. Of course, a lot of surveys of gig economy workers have found that people really do value the flexibility. Uh, many people working in the gig economy are, are doing it as a second job. Some are doing it operating at times that they, they wouldn't be able to operate in in, in ordinary um, employee roles. And of course, um, the, the economics of these business models kind of don't really work if you're having to provide um, the drivers or, or, you know, the operators in your industry with a whole range of of benefits, uh, fixed benefits, as if they're full-time employees. So that would have been devastating. I think, though, um, that agenda is pretty much um, dead in the water if there is a Republican Senate. And even if there isn't a Republican Senate and there's a 50-50 split with the vice president at that time, Kamala Harris, uh, having the deciding vote, I think um, Democrats would find it quite difficult to push through at a federal level some sort of legislation like that, because I think some of the more moderate um, voices in the Democratic uh, Senate uh, at that stage would probably resist implementing something like AB5 on the whole country. So yes, that was a worrying aspect of Joe Biden's campaign. I think it was, um, if nothing else, a kind of a signal to uh, many of the trade unions that supported him. But I, I don't think that we'll see that in the next four years. As difficult as it may be, leaving the pandemic aside, uh, we had historically really low unemployment uh, coming into 2020 uh, and a wide range of different uh, groups having record low unemployment. Why do Democrats here seem to want to uh, push so hard for making big changes to uh, labor market regulation? Yeah, this is something that I found quite baffling over the past three to four years. Um, as you say, unemployment was at historic um, lows. Uh, unemployment for particular uh, groups, Hispanic workers, black workers, were at their lowest levels um, almost since um, those figures had been uh, calculated in, in, in terms of black unemployment, I believe it's the lowest level uh, since the 1970s. 
Um, and there does appear to be a disconnect here where the better the labor market was performing, um, the more in the way of labor market policy reforms Democrats wanted to make. Um, now, whether that's because they think that the labor market is so robust, it could withstand a lot of uh, more of what they perceive as pro-worker legislation, I don't know. But when you add it all up, it did add up to something pretty significant. We had the commitment to a $15 federal minimum wage, for example. As you say, a, a federal effort um, at some sort of California AB5 law equivalent on the gig economy. Uh, there are a lot of pro-union, uh, uh, pro-trade union policies within um, Joe Biden's uh, platform, of course. Um, the federal government effectively preempting right to work laws, for example. So combined, those represented a huge overhaul of US employment policy. And I think it's difficult to look at what occurred prior to the pandemic and to look at the United States performance in terms of its labor market relative to um, recent history. Um, you know, for the first time, the labor market participation rate of prime age workers, 25 to 54 year old workers, was increasing uh, sustainably for the first time since the 1980s. So it's difficult to look at that. It's difficult to look at um, the good performance relative to other countries and say that the labor market is an area in need of a huge policy overhaul. Ryan Bourne occupies the R. Evan Scharf Chair for the Public Understanding of Economics at the Cato Institute. Learn more about becoming a Cato podcast sponsor. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor.